Katie Cassidy here. Hi! I just wanted to say thank you so much for being um, such a big fan and supporting me. Um, I'm supposed to give you some advice here and tell you, uh, don't go out there, okay? Bye! In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. Just want to thank all our fans and listeners. I really appreciate all the support. You guys are awesome. Before we get into tonight's film review, I just want to give a quick shout out to our website, don'tgooutthere.com. Everything about our podcast is on our website. Brian's done a great job with it. We got all of our episodes and our interviews. Like we've mentioned in the past, we've done some great interviews. Go to our interviews tab, check that out. It's a lot easier to find them than scrolling through 200 plus episodes. Uh, we have some new merch up on our store, some new t-shirts. We have Shan's Etsy page attached. Her tumblers are selling like hotcakes. Definitely grab one of those. You know, we've all written some blogs on our uh, Under the Mask. Check those out as well. And I'm going to shout out all of our social medias. We have all of our social media links on our website. Uh, social media driven world. So connect with us. We love ch uh, interacting with our fans, chit chatting with you. Uh, we read all of your comments and questions. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Follow us, like us, subscribe us, all that good stuff. And the last thing I'm going to shout out before we get into the night's film review is our. We call it blood donors, but it's our form of a Patreon. We have the traditional monthly reoccurring kind. And I get it. Times are tough right now. The economy stinks. Money is very difficult to, you know, it's it's not easy to just donate money right now. So I fully get that. But we truly appreciate from the bottom of our hearts any contributions we get. It goes directly back into the podcast, not in our pockets. And we also have one-time donation. If uh, there's a movie you want us to review or – there's one that you're a big fan of. We have we have all those tiers available. Just check out our website. Uh, this is our third entry in Reboot Remake Month, and it's Brother Mike's pick. Go ahead and announce your pick and why you picked it, brother. <sighs> How much time you got, mister? All right, here we go. Leave that sound clip in, Brian. That's a nice beer opening because I got a story to tell. All right, so I picked the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Obviously, you know that by clicking on this and listening. Um. Guys, I just want to apologize off the top here. This movie is it's pretty terrible. <laughs> um, and it's the worst of the four that we get to review, so that's also my fault. I haven't done that in a while. I, I feel like I have a pretty good consistency. I don't always pick good ones. But just as far as consistency, and I, mine's at least in the mid-range on most picks, not, not counting Terrifier. I know Dustin's going to come in with that, and he's not wrong. But um, look, man. This movie takes everything that I like about the franchise, which, let me be honest, it's my least favorite of the big three. But it takes everything I like about the franchise and completely does the opposite. <laughs> like, the only thing it does a little bit that I enjoy is the darker tone to Freddy Krueger. I, I don't mind getting back to some of that being a little more scary. But this movie, to me, from top to bottom, I've said this a million times on this show, and I'm going to say it again. It commits the ultimate sin. It's boring as fuck, this movie. To me. 
I I have a hard time finishing it every time I've seen it. Um, it's so dreary. It's very of its time. It's very 2010, 2009. Uh, the kids in this movie are emo as hell. <laughs> you know, I, I said it in our 31 on 31 countdown there, and there's nothing wrong with it, but these kids, you know, they go home, they sit at the house and listen to Red Jumpsuit Apparatus and, you know, and have a good time. And look, I, hey, I grew, I grew up on that stuff. So it's not even a judgment. It's just, I've grown out of that phase and I don't, that phase doesn't do anything for me anymore. But so it's not nostalgic in that way, at least not to me. So I just have a really hard time sitting through this movie. Um, I'm going to give a compliment to Jackie O'Haley, who I think does the best that he can do with what he's given to do. Obviously, I think they fuck up the look of Freddy here. I don't think it looks good. I think it's a complete downgrade. Um, I'm not even willing to say that only Robert England can play can play Freddy Krueger. We talked about that on the show. I, I don't think that's true. I actually think Jack or, Jackie O'Haley did a pretty good job. Just don't like what he was given to do. Um, and another big problem, and then I'm going to move on. I have a big problem with what this movie does to the lore of Freddy. I don't think going the direction of child molester, child predator was a good one. Um, not, I mean, again, you're going for a different tone. You're going for something darker. Fine. But it just doesn't sit with me. It's not a character. You know, when I watch a Freddy movie, we're kind of all in on the joke now. We kind of like to root root for Freddy in a way to kill asshole teenagers. In this movie, you just don't get that. So I, I don't think there's any um, pull to make me watch this movie on my own. I did pick it. I picked it because I think we're about to have a really interesting discussion episode about this movie and the franchise. So to actually answer Nico's question, that's why I picked it. But I I hate the fact that I had to sit through the movie again. Um, I'm going to be honest. If I, It's not Freddy's dead. I want to make that very clear. It's not Freddy's dead. It's not, uh, it, it's not, you know, it's not the one before Freddy's dead either or the dream child. I don't like that movie either, but it's pretty damn bad. And so, but I am excited to talk about it because it looks like Nico may have some counter arguments and I'm looking forward to hearing. All right. So just to preface everything, I'm going to say, I don't like this movie by any means, but I went into this one, uh, open-minded a little bit. Uh, I think we all have the same nitpicks or not even nitpicks, just things we don't like about it. And I've written down all of my pros and cons and I'll save it all for the end. I'm just going to compare this my rating for this movie to another one of Mike's pick Rob Zombie's Halloween Two. I went into it. You know, I thought I, well, honestly the unrated or whatever it was, I do hate that one, but you know, I watched producers cut, enjoyed it more than I thought. I really did it. I'm enjoy. <laughs> I did like this movie more than previous times. Uh, and I'll touch on everything later. Does that mean this is going to get a high rating? Absolutely not. Or I don't think it's high. It might be high for what this movie is, but, I'll touch on all the things I like and dislike at the end. I'll let you guys dissect the scene by scene, and I'll just give my thoughts at the end. Do I like this movie? No. Is it? I still would put it above quite a few of the other nightmares, though, just because I think those are so terrible. But uh, go ahead, Brian. Yeah, I, I definitely feel a little bit stronger about it than you guys as far as the rankings go. Um, you, you know I'm a pretty big stand for most of Platinum Dunes remakes, uh, but truthfully, I hate this one. Uh, I would definitely put this at the very bottom of my Nightmare series rankings. Um, and, and I don't want to sound like an echo chamber to, to Mike and even Nico, but again, I want to reiterate, Jackie Earl Haley did perfectly fine with what he was given. 
you know, no offense to Karen Lynn and the makeup department, but just like Mike, I was not a fa- I was not a fan of his look at all either. Um, it was, you know, it was based more on real life burn victims, but to me, it just didn't work. Uh, you know, I think the dialogue was very poorly written. Uh, the movie was cut together like a fucking mess, you know, and part of that we know comes from Samuel Bayer being a first time director and, you know, there being something like 15 scripts they combined or some shit. I mean, you can tell, you know, I think it's a mess story wise. I think. And, and Wesley Strick got writing credit, but but even he says the final movie doesn't even remotely resemble his script. So, you know, I, I think that's a result of this whole hodgepodge final thing that they put together. But whoever's idea it was to focus more on the pedophilia aspect, like, like Mike touched on, a Freddy, and not the child murderer, can go to hell. Like, I don't even think they, they talk about him killing kids at all in this movie. You know, everything was about being a child molester. And like you said, I guess they tried to make him more hated and evil, but I don't think they—I don't think that worked at all. I mean, you know, Wes Craven's before he did New Nightmare said he wanted to make Freddy scary again. He didn't want—he uh, didn't like the joke that Freddy had become in Part Four and Five. And you know what? He did it. I think. You know, we talked about Wes Craven's New Nightmare. He did it, and I think so. You can do that without completely making him a pedophile like they did. I think Nancy and Rooney Mara. I mean who has said herself that she thinks this movie was awful and almost quit acting over it. Well, guess what, Rooney? Your performance wasn't exactly fucking Oscar-worthy either. But again, I think it goes back to whoever wrote these characters. Um, You know, and according to IMDb, they didn't even consult Wes Craven on the film, which is whatever. But I think that's a bad idea when you're trying to remake one of the most beloved horror classics of all time. And you don't even talk to the goat? Okay. Um, Anyway, regardless, I think that you know, this is a whole watered down. I think it's a CG fest that was that was so bad that producer Brad Fuller at Platinum Dunes said that this would be their final remake. And and I think it's terrible with very little good sprinkled throughout. I mean, ask the guys, and I even posted this on Twitter. I was literally even mad watching this damn movie again. So, all right, uh, this movie sucks. So when we did the uh, thirty one thirty one where we ranked the big three, I, I had this one not as far down on the overall list as i probably would put it now um and in regards to the just the nightmare franchise i think i had it uh higher than three other films uh freddy's dead is undisputable like that's the worst of the franchise but to me this one is interchangeable with part four and part five and uh honestly the reason i ranked it higher than those other two i probably probably would still do that i could talk myself into still doing that but like i said it's pretty interchangeable the reason being at least it's modern uh you know it looks modern and uh you know it's it's i I can't even say it's a fresh tape because there's so much that is rehashed like scene by scene like they just they stole so much from the original uh and uh you know reshooting those scenes almost identically but at least it is a uh, fresh perspective. It's got more of his backstory, which I agree. I fucking I don't I don't like it. Um, but overall, I mean this this movie is just. Uh... <laughs> I shouldn't have read that while I was reading. Right in my back. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm sitting here trying to uh, give my opening thoughts, and Brian sends a text that says, "You sound really good, Dustin. Nice and luscious." So, <laughs> thank you. I like it. Like that. Um, uh, I watched it on Saturday morning. Uh, 
to get ready for this episode and I, I didn't like it. And then I watched it again today when I got home from work. I didn't like it. Um, it, it just, you know, I have issues with the whole franchise, though. I've, it's It's been very clear. I've been very clear about how I feel like this is the worst of the big three franchises. Halloween and Friday the 13th are, are um, significantly better overall franchises or more entertaining, at least. To me, I have issues with Freddy as a character. Freddy as a character, his, his rules to his powers and everything just have never really made sense to me. Um, Jason's are pretty well defined. You know, he kills people. He comes back to life that boom, it is what it is. Uh, Michael can drive a fucking car. Freddie, what the fuck? Freddie can just like, he can hurt you in your dreams and it happens real life, but you can't get pulled. You know, you can pull him into the real life, but no one thinks to do that. I, I don't know. It's just his, his rules are all wonky. That being said, he is the only redeeming part, part of the franchise in the other films because Robert England does such a good job and the character is written in such a way that it's entertaining. This this movie doesn't feature enough Freddy in my opinion. And then when you do uh when they do when you do have him it's just it's not the same Freddy. He sounds like fucking Duke Nukem. I had huge <laughs> issues with how they edited his voice in post production to make him sound more supernatural or whatever they did. They digitally altered his voice, and he sounds like Duke Nukem. You're in for a pain. Like, what, what are you doing there? Him. Yeah, I hate. I hated that. Look at me. That's creepy as fuck when you said that. <laughs> um, but you know, I hated the way he sounded. They his humor was not as humorous as Robert England's version, right? And seemed out of place, honestly, because of how dark the character was. Yes. And I don't like the, the petter ass background that they gave him. So overall, it's just not a good movie, but at least it looks modern and I can appreciate that. And it just it blows my fucking mind that the same people that brought you the uh, Friday the 13th remake that we all love brought you this piece of shit. So <laughs> isn't that isn't that the weirdest part to me is they do such a good job normally with these remakes. I mean, I think Texas Dude. Chainsaw is great and. Yeah. Friday's great. Not even not even the remakes. I mean, Brian and I at least are very high on the Purge series. Yes. And then I like you the get, first yeah, I like the first and you, and you get a, a Quiet Place. Like they've made they've made some damn good movies. And not to mention they made the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles remakes with Megan Fox. I enjoy those for what they were. Same. This movie sucks. Well, I think I'm I don't think I would make it a stretch to say that I'm the biggest Freddy fan on this show. Not mm -hmm. saying that he's my favorite, but I might have the hottest of hottest takes. There, to me, is more redeeming qualities. Now, I'm trying to wear this carefully. More redeeming qualities of Freddy's Dead than this one. Absolutely. Cool not. graphics. <laughs> it, it, just because not that says, part. Not it's that just part. because he says cool graphics because you're a graphic guy. I totally get it, buddy. I, not, not, and actually, it's not the part where... It's not the parts that he is Freddy in that movie, if that makes sense. It's when he is playing, and I think I even talk about it Fair. here. It's some of the flashback scenes, and Fred are the best in the series. Fair enough. Hmm. Respectfully disagree. That fucking movie. Hey, listen. <laughs> I have I have no disrespect towards Rooney Mara as a person. I just think she completely phoned this in here, and I meant to put in my intro. I think she phoned in her intro. Uh, I. That's crazy, because she can also phone me. Hold on. What I meant to say, she phoned in her performance. You said she could phone in you. I can't use that line anymore, buddy. It's all you. 
Okay. Yeah, you're married. I'll, I'll gladly carry that torch. <laughs> but, uh, you know, again, I like her in some other things. But in this, she even admitted to, one, not liking the movie. And two, not liking the character, the script, none of it. So it definitely shows here. She's not the only bad performance, so I don't want to pick on her. But clear. here's something that we talked about off the air that I think maybe would have switched my mind just a little bit. If they called her something besides Nancy. But she's supposed to be playing this legacy character mm-hmm. of Nancy Thompson, who de- who's played by Heather Langenkamp so freaking well uh, that it just, it's really a step down, man. It's unfortunate because I don't think she's bad in everything she's in. Just wish she had done something different here. Yeah, I feel like if her name wasn't Nancy, it, she wouldn't get the criticism just because you're going to compare them, obviously. That. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to draw natural comparisons. But then also, like I mentioned when we were off the air, this movie is uh, made in 2010, and they made every other aspect of this movie more modern. In 2010, how many high school students were named Nancy? I venture to guess less than 10 across the entire country. So fuck out of here. <laughs> All right, guys, let's jump into the scene-by-scene uh, scene now. The film starts with opening credits with kids playing on the playground in a spooky tune. We're outside the Springwood Diner as it storms. We now meet Dean, who is sitting at a booth asking for more coffee from a waitress who straight up ignores him. He gets up and walks into the kitchen, calling out for anyone. This kitchen is disgusting, and the pots are on fire. Dean turns around, and the famous razor glove appears as Dean is followed for a bit. Dean turns around and has his hand cut by the razors. He wakes up to Nancy, saying if he keeps falling asleep, they're going to kick him out. He now notices his hand is cut in the real world. Chris enters the diner, looking for Dean. She sits with him, saying he looks like he hasn't slept in days, and asks what's going on. Jesse messes with Quentin about his crush on Nancy. He now shows Jesse that Chris is sitting with Dean. He slams his money down and leaves the diner. Jesse is is pissed Chris broke up with him. Quentin asks Nancy if she gets tired of working here every weekend, and she asks if he gets tired coming in here every weekend. Chris tells Dean maybe he should talk to someone about this. He says these nightmares began when he was a child. He says, I can sleep. I just don't want to sleep. They're just dreams. They're not real. He spills his coffee by accident on her, and she walks away to clean herself up. Dean rubs his eyes, and the lights change to green and red. Freddy appears and shoves the knife near his throat. Chris now sees Dean shove the knife deep into his throat, killing himself. We're now at Dean's funeral, and the preacher prays, and we see Chris see a little girl throwing roses into his grave. She looks around and now sees the girl has razor cuts on her chest and dress. She sees someone grab her ankle as she wakes up. Funeral ends and Alan tells Nancy if she needs anyone to talk to, he's setting up a crisis center at school. Chris looks at all of Dean's pictures as Jessie walks up. She realizes the little girl she saw in her dream was her. She now tells Jessie how Dean was saying you're not real over and over before he killed himself. She says it was like someone was making him do it. Nancy walks up saying, I believe you, to Chris. She says she's seen, and Jesse shoots her down saying, Leave Chris alone. She was there, and you didn't see. Nancy says, You have no idea what I've seen. Nancy and her mom walk away. Nancy is in bed now listening to tunes and nods off asleep. We now see Freddie come out of her wall above her as she wakes up afraid. Chris is looking through photo albums and notices several pages are missing, and there's pictures missing her young. She asks her mom, Where's the photos? She says, Perhaps in the garage. She says she doesn't remember knowing Dean until high school. Chris wakes up as she hears goodnight, honey, from her mom. She walks out her bedroom door and into the garage now, up into the attic. 
Chris finds several boxes with the year written on the side with pictures of her younger dolls and her dress with the razor slashes on them. The light flickers out as she hears the razor sound and Freddie appears jump scaring her and jumps on top of her saying, remember me? She wakes in a panic as her mom asks if she's okay. Quentin walks up on Nancy asking what this abstract drawing is. He asks if she's okay and offers to be that guy to talk to if she needs someone. Alan calls for Quentin to hurry on to class. Chris is in class now nodding off asleep and she sees the razor glove in her textbook. She tells herself, wake up, as her fellow students turn into ash. Freddie is at the chalkboard saying, you shouldn't fall asleep in class. She runs out the classroom and into another room where Freddie is again. Hi, Chris. You look just as beautiful as ever. You have nothing to worry about. This won't hurt one little bit as she flicks a razor at her face. She wakes up in class screaming and notices her hair has been cut and is on her book. Class is dismissed and Chris runs out of class as Jesse calls her name. All right, Brian, that's the opening set of scenes. What did you think? So right off the bat, graphics wise, with the credits having the names like written on chalk in the sidewalk, I thought it was a really cool touch. But for some reason, they overlaid regular type on top of it and managed to even fuck that up. Uh, I feel like um, I just feel like that was a bad creative choice. And I mentioned Sam Bayer, 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 uh, being a first time director. You know, he had done music videos in the past. So I will give it that this movie is shot very well. Um, it looks very good. And I'm sure that background of his, you know, had a lot to do with that. And I'm sure all, all of us have this fun fact, but during the opening scene, you know, Kellen Lutz actually chose to go method with this and actually not sleep. Well, you still had to speak that awful dialogue, brothers. You might as well have gotten some rest. But hey, I'll admit this kill is phenomenal. It's definitely my favorite one. But... This is another reason why I don't like this. I mean, why is he cutting his own throat instead of it just slicing in the real world? Like, I feel like this is a little, yeah. it, it just seems inconsistent throughout, like on a few things, another kill later on as well. Uh, but it, but it did, it did look great. Um, apparently Heather Langenkamp, you brought up, <clears throat> hold up, <sighs> friend of the show, Heather Langenkamp, was offered a cameo as a waitress uh, at the diner here in the opening, but turned it down. John Saxon did too, you know, actually as well. So listen to Heather's interview, by the way, at don'tgooutthere.com. <clears throat> Katie Cassidy, two-time DGOT veteran in front of the show. Uh, she kind of got on a remake kick being in uh, When a Stranger Calls, Black Christmas, and then this one in like a four-year span. I still think When Stranger Calls is her best work, but she's one of the bright spots in here to me as far as her acting. Um, it's not her fault her lines are so bad, but her scenes and the focus on her character was the only bright spot story-wise, even if she is playing a discount Tina from the from the original. Um, last thing, you know, the funeral to me is clunky, feels out of place the way uh, Chris and uh, shit, is it Jesse? Seriously, these teens are so forgettable. I have a hard time remembering their names. Uh, they don't have the bond the original crew had. Um, again, all of that is just writing. But uh, having discount Tina fall asleep and then the weird dialogue with her mom acting like that's perfectly okay and normal. I mean, even Nancy coming out of nowhere. Uh, shit, actually all the dialogue in this opening set of scenes I think is awful. Um, the opening kill part, not even the lead up, but the opening kill was the only bright spot for me as well as a classroom nightmare sequence. But again, even with that nightmare sequence, I think the empty school was more effective in the original. You know, the, the CG coming out of the wall was completely awful. The original looked much better, and it was almost 30 years earlier. 
Uh, and you know what? If you don't want to be compared to the original, don't fucking do the exact same scenes over and over again. So anyway, just a clunky mess storytelling wise, jumping all around, all over the place. Not impressive uh, to me thus far. Spoiler alert. It doesn't get much better. Okay. So, uh, you know, objectively, I don't think this diner scenario is bad. Um, it, it's a cool setting. You know, like you mentioned, Brian, it's shot well. You know, the rain, you know, it's dark. That, like, old, you know, grungy diner. Like, I'm okay with that uh, being the opening scene instead of, you know, our our little more classical nightmare scene that we get uh, in the original. But, you know, someone, <laughs> you know, not someone, a lot of people online have mentioned just – Stop comparing this to the original. Maybe we'll have more fun with it. Well, Brian hit the nail on the head. You do the exact same stuff. I mean, you really, really do. There's so many same things in here. When you remake, I just like when people kind of have their own take on it. But anyway, um, look, all this stuff at the diner, it's just okay to me. You know, right off the bat here, again, I feel like I'm picking on it. But Rooney Mara's performance kind of just seems so phoned in. It doesn't seem uh, like she wants to be in this role uh, and maybe she didn't, and maybe it was a money gig. And I understand that it was probably a money gig for Heather Langenkamp, you know, back then too, but she definitely put her soul into it. So it just doesn't feel the same. And I, if it's not supposed to, that's fine, but it doesn't come across on screen in any positive way. You know, you get this, you know, neck slashing thing in the diner, man, again, we're going to sound like an echo chamber, not on purpose. Uh, but I don't understand why that wasn't Freddie doing it. You know, you get it in other kills later in the film and you get it in all the other movies in this franchise, but he slashes his own neck. It's very, it's a very weird way to do it. Like I, I just, I don't know. I, I'm not a fan. I do like that classroom setting, you know, jumping ahead a bit because again, that's very old school nightmare on Elm street. Uh, it tends to be a thing in horror movies in general, I guess, because every, it's a nitpick. Every Halloween movie has to have a goddamn fucking classroom or classroom scene. But, uh, you know, it, it does work here, but they, you know, they pretty much copycat the original kill and it doesn't look as good. Um, that's something else that I think this movie gets totally wrong is the CG. Um, and I know Brian touched on it. I'm sure Dustin has some comments on it too, but you get some of this CG that how is, how does this not look as good as 1983, which is when the movie was made 1983, practical effects you can't explain that to me like it doesn't look as good as it did in 1984 i i don't understand how they do that um if you're gonna spend money on a remake just do do it right you know uh and here you have a, just a bunch of cgi that i don't think ages well at all you know i thought it looked bad back then when i saw it it looks even worse now like it just the blood all that stuff i don't like the way any of it looks it, it just ugh. but uh you get like a Again, you get some like creepier Freddy stuff, but and again, I like darker Freddy. It's the reason I like the first, the third, because he toes the line perfectly in that between joke Freddy and serious Freddy. And I love New Nightmare uh, Freddy Krueger demon because he's dark, but it's almost it, this is not so much dark as it is just kind of gloomy. There's no fun to this Freddy, and I, I like a little bit of jokey haha and he does it a few times but not enough for me so uh and everything at the funeral just feels not nightmare on elm street to me like i don't know what that is but i, I think it just doesn't feel like it belongs 
in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. I guess that was the point. And if that was the point, then it just didn't hit with me. So uh, that's all I had. I completely agree. I mean, that's what I was saying in my opening thoughts. I think that, uh, you know, the charming part of this whole franchise is Freddie, and they change Freddie so much that it's just not enjoyable. So I think that, honestly, if this movie was called something else and Freddie wasn't killing people in their dreams, like he was just a, a serial killer on the loose or something, this movie might be viewed a lot better than what it is. But anyway, so the uh, the diner scene I thought was really good. That's the nicest thing I'm going to say this entire episode. I actually really like the diner scene. Um, I like the lighting, the atmosphere. Um, we get introduced to basically all of our central characters immediately. And then, um, you know, it's, it's, we can tell that it's not going to be exactly a scene by scene remake. So you can appreciate that, I guess. Um, and I, another good thing about this movie is I do like the dreams. A lot of the dreams look really good. Like the, the, dream locations um absolutely agree you know here when he's in the diner and he's going through the kitchen that looks great later in the movie in the in the boiler room or the uh the abandoned industrial park or whatever like the dreams themselves look really good we'll get to one i think looks incredible um and we'll i'll save that but anyway you know i'm fine with the funeral scene it's it's very final destination this movie reminds you a lot of final destination like they're getting picked off and then they got to band together to find out what's happening and how they can defeat it and all that. Okay, whatever. But um, the funeral scene is a good way to build some uh, character development and have us care about these characters and show their backstory a little bit to show, you know, hey, she's crying. We should empathize. Um, but then we get, you know, Freddie coming through the wall. Yeah, it looked like absolute shit. The practical effects from 1984 just look so much better. And... I guess I can I can understand why they wanted to do CGI because you could see more details on the face and the and the knives coming through the wall, uh, but it just looked better in 84, 83, 84. What the hell are you doing here? Um, her finding you know in the attic and she finds the sliced up dress. Uh, that's a, that's a very strong visual there because what? But at the same time, it's like why is her mom still got that? Why is it just in the attic? Oh, but. It's a dream. I don't know. What the fuck? Is this a dream? Is she really in the attic? So I, I, it kind of teeters sometimes from these dreams look really cool to, okay, I don't like that. I can't tell if this started a dream or if she just like was walking and then had a micro nap or fell asleep, whatever. And then we hear that stupid fucking Duke Nukem voice. I was halfway expecting him to say, uh, I'm going to rip off your head and shit down your neck. Like I was expecting him to say something <laughs> like that. Um, I think that another great looking dream is when Chris falls asleep in class, like how just everything just looks like, like it's been burnt or crisp, you know, ashes, whatever the fuck that effect was. It looked really good. Um, But, you know, overall the opening set of scenes, I don't hate the opening set of scenes. Um, I think it's okay for what it is. Uh, Definitely isn't going to get better. Um, But the highlight of the opening set of scenes and honestly the movie is we get to see Clancy Brown who plays Alan, um, Quentin's dad. You know, he's a two time alumnus on the show as he was also in Starship Troopers, but more importantly, <laughs> he's the second star of SpongeBob to be in a movie we've covered. Um, he voices Mr. Krabs, and as you'll recall, Bill uh Fagerbaki, I man, I do not know how to say his name. Fagerbaki? Fagerbaki? No, it's crazy, but yeah. Guy from Coach. I feel like Dauber. Yeah, the guy from Coach. Anyway, Patrick Starr. 
the voice of Patrick Starr was also in Jennifer's body. But um, that, that's I mean that's the best bit of trivia you could possibly ask for. We got two SpongeBob stars have been covered in you know their movies have been covered on this show. What more could you want? One of the goat cartoons, baby, SpongeBob. Greatest Nickelodeon show of all time. Wow. Woo. Definitely better than Drake and Josh. Well, at least. yeah, that's true. Absolutely not. Go ahead, Nico. Absolutely not. Grow up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Chris drives home and we see the Elm Street street sign. She asks her dog, Rufus, what's he doing outside? Chris goes back into the garage and her mom tells her she has to fly to London tonight on a red eye. She asks if she'll be okay. Mom says she worries about her and gets some rest as she leaves. Chris sets the alarm and it's nighttime now. She's reading about Dean in the newspaper. Now she hears floorboards creaking. She slams the window shut as Jesse climbs up into her window. Jesse now admits he's been jealous and an asshole, but says Dean was his friend too, asking what's going on. She tells Jesse about her dreams that are terrifying, and Dean was having them too. Every time I dream, I always see this man, and he's burned and melted, and he's always trying to attack me with knives in his fingers as Jesse interjects. Jesse stands up hugging Chris, saying, but they're just dreams. Chris says she wants to sleep, but she'll be killed like Dean. She asks Jesse to stay with her. The two are asleep, and Chris wakes up as she hears Rufus barking outside. She goes outside calling for the dog. She begins hearing weird noises and now finds Rufus dead as Freddy appears. I was just petting him as he begins to laugh. Chris runs in her house, but she's inside of an elementary school now. She walks the halls as her younger self grabs her hand saying, We have to hide as they see girls playing jump rope to the Freddy song. She hears Freddy counting down saying, Ready or not, here I come. She wakes up, rubs her face, and tries to wake Jesse. She gets out of bed and goes to the bathroom to wash her face. She lies back down and Freddy is beside her. Chris' body begins to convulse on the bed now and she begins to levitate and is slammed around the room and, and into the ceiling. She gets these huge slash marks on her as she falls back into the bed. Jesse is covered in blood and he gets dressed and runs out the house setting the alarm off. He runs down the street and falls in someone's yard as they yell out they're calling the cops. Nancy's mom goes into her room as she paints saying go to sleep it's the middle of the night. She walks out and Jesse suddenly appears behind her and she asks Jesse what he did to her. He says someone killed her in her sleep. What are you talking about? You know what I'm talking about. She says she hears this song, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Knock at the door again, it's her mom. Jesse says don't fall asleep as he climbs back out the window. Jesse is surrounded by the police now and he's arrested as he yells, I didn't kill her. He's put in the backseat of the car as Nancy and her mom watch him driven away. We see Jesse being put into his jail cell now with another inmate. Nancy calls Quentin now to talk. She tells him Chris is dead and we see Jesse doing everything he can to stay awake as he shakes in the bed above his cellmate. Quentin is in the bookstore researching about sleep deprivation, who ironically nods off to sleep. He looks down an aisle and sees a little girl who now disappears. The bookshelves begin to shake and the place is quite messy as he hears the Freddy jump rope song. He sees Freddy at the table as he's jump-scared as Freddy turns around. Nancy wakes him up asking about nightmares and if it was Freddy. All right, Brian, go ahead. That's the next set of scenes I got. So right off the bat in the set of scenes, seeing the nightmare, uh, seeing the Elm Street sign, like the way it slides into frame, I thought that was a great touch cinematography-wise. Cinematography is definitely not the problem with this movie by a long shot. 
Fun fact, though, the uh, Elm Street sign is actually only seen twice during this film, and the words Elm Street are actually never spoken. Um, so anyone else notice that uh, she locked her car? Like, the car alarm went off. Beep, beep. And the top was down on her convertible. Like, I don't know. It, it felt like it was on purpose, which was weird to me. <laughs> like, there was focus on it. But either way, I think it was just stupid. And, and, and in that same light, it literally shows her setting the alarm to her house. But yet, I don't know what fucking alarm she has, but her windows are open in her room. Jesse just comes on up. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's just, it seemed kind of silly. and just kind of seems like something, a detail that was just overlooked. But uh, I do like the nod to Depp's character in the, uh, the original with the, the number 10 on her shirt. Um, Tatum did the homage better in Scream 1, just saying. But uh, uh, the realization dialogue <laughs> between Jesse and Chris uh, before she falls asleep, God, it was cringeworthy. Um, you know, none of this happens organically to me. It just all seems jammed into the script. And again, I said it before, like using David S. Goyer as an example, if you don't have a director that can check dialogue on a bad script, it just comes across as, as cringeworthy. Um, now Tina, I mean, Chris, her, um, her nightmare scene, I, I really enjoyed, like, I, I'll give credit there. I'm completely in agreement with Dustin. Uh, the nightmare scenes are very well done. Um, Haley, I'm just going to call him Haley because I don't have, I, I have the hardest time not calling him James Earl Jones. I don't know why. I mean, I'm an idiot. I don't know. But man, he's, <laughs> he's really good, uh, I think, in this set of scenes. Um, so finally, I was happy with something. So there you go. But personally, I think the remake of Tina's death was awful. Like, Chris is slung around. Like, it, it was almost laughable to me. It reminded me of Scary Movie. I don't know if it was two or three. You guys may know better than me, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, I have that in my notes. I, I actually have, I like that she was, you know, wearing the jersey to pay homage to Johnny Depp in the original. But if had, Jersey had said 69, then it would have been a callback to Scary yeah, Movie two. 2, where the ghost is fucking her up against yes. the wall. Like, that's that's identical. Yes, exactly. Exact. <laughs> it was two. I couldn't remember which one it was. You're right, I was I was waiting on her shirt to come up and then her panties to say like Wednesday and the calendar to say Saturday or some shit like right? that. So. so it wasn't just me. Okay, good. Uh, again, a, another original scene copied and not done well at all. Uh, the bad part is now to me, Chris is dead. So we have to shift focus to Nancy and God bless it. Like her character is terrible to me. Uh, Amanda Crew actually auditioned for Nancy. Um, she was in Haunting in Connecticut, and you brought up Final Destination. She was in Final Destination 3. Uh, but I, I don't I don't know if she would have done better, but I would have liked to have seen her try. Uh, the dialogue revealing if you die in your sleep, you die for real between Jesse and Nancy. Awful. Uh, the police said it best and actually expressed my feelings perfectly when the deputy said, shut the fuck up to J Jesse. Um, shout out to Nancy's mom, though, Connie Britton. She was in a movie I really liked a lot called This Is Where I Leave You and American Horror Story as well. I think she's very well cast here. I think she does very well. Um, you know, and this is just another set of scenes. I mean, we're only like 30 minutes into this and we've 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 seen so many nightmares, so many storylines. Like, again, you know, the way most of them are shot are very good. Quentin's Nightmare in the Bookstore, I think, was very well done, too, all the way around. But good Lord, we have an hour left and it's. It's just, it's all so, so damn rushed up to this point to me. I don't know how, how else to explain it. Go ahead, Mike. 
Okay. <laughs> so there's actually a few positives that I have here. Uh, I want to say this. I'm a, I like the, the uh, character of Quentin. Like I think he kind of adds something, you know, that, that we don't really get in the, in the first one or, or in the original to me, just kind of a bounce back with Nancy. And look, I know I'm going to have somebody at me on some social media. I realize it's Nancy Holbrook in this movie. Okay. But we know who she's playing. We're not idiots. It is a remake. So I know I said Nancy Thompson, but come on, let's be honest here. That's what it's, that's what we're going for. Um, I like some of the performances. Like I said, I, uh, Kyle Gowner who played Quentin, I thought did a pretty good job actually. Uh, I, He's about the one character that I can kind of stand. Uh, now, I will say this. You mentioned Connie Britton. A former me would have said something in particular about Mrs. Connie Britton. Yeah, but what I was not, that? Uh, I'll, let, I'll save it for Dustin. But you oh. forgot the best role Connie Britton ever had, and that is Miss Tammy fucking Taylor. My woman. Friday Night Lights, baby. Clear Your eyes, woman. full heart, can't lose. You heard what I said. Catherine's Your okay woman. with it. Oh. Catherine's okay with it. Move on, move on. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you're right. This death of Chris, man, it looks like she's a dead fish that jumped up out of water or or a fish that jumped up out of water. She just kind of flops around in the air when they throw around. And I don't like any of that, man. I just, you know, you kind of, something you mentioned is that it, it just, it, it doesn't look as good somehow. And I know I said it in the first set of scenes, but for whatever reason, it just, it's not, I don't know if it's just not as scary because you could tell it's, you know, because in the original, you know, they spin the room around, they flip it upside down and all that other stuff. And knowing that behind the scenes stuff makes that look really cool. And you get it here and it just looks like someone's floundering around in the dark. And I just don't think it looks good at all. And the biggest negative is that, like you said, now we have to focus on fucking Nancy more. And I don't think it works. Some of these nightmare scenes do look good. Again, there's some really decent acting here from Jackie Earl Haley in these nightmare scenes. Like he's not my problem with this film. Yes, Dustin is absolutely right. His voice is almost comedic in certain areas where he just uh, he, he sounds like somebody has a like you know a, his you know hands over his windpipe or whatever. I just don't think the voice or the look is good, but his acting still shines through. Where I think, given another chance, he'd never do it because of how bad this one was. But given another chance with the right script, maybe a different voice, the right look, I think he could pull off being Freddy Krueger. He just, it just, you know, he has some misses here. And, but I, you know, I think some of these nightmare sequences are good. You mentioned Quentin's in the library. I think it's good. Again, I like his character. So all in all, this scene's a, this scene's a pretty much a mixed bag. You know, there's some bright spots and I'm trying to be a little more positive, but uh, I, I just feel like, it la- it's so damn boring. It's, it doesn't do anything like good or interesting to hook me. There's a lot of repeat kills that they just don't do as well as the original. And so far, I'm just not entertained. Yeah, Mike, you mentioned it. You don't have to worry, brother. I'll carry the torch. So uh, Katie Cassidy, uh, Rooney Mara, um, who else got Connie Britton. That's who you're talking about there. Yeah, absolutely. All of y'all call me. That's fine. You also mentioned Amanda Crew. I've had a crush on her since uh, the first time I saw her, I think, was in the movie Sex Drive, which is hilarious. It's also entirely incorrect because they say they're going to meet up at the big boy in Knoxville, Tennessee. There's not a big boy in Knoxville, Tennessee. I should know. But anyway, 
Uh, Amanda Crew definitely called me sometime. Anyway, this set of scenes. So, I hate the fact that she has to sneak around every time that she wants to go up in the attic. Like, her mom never told her, don't go in the attic. Don't go looking for those pictures. Don't do this. But she's sneaking like she knows she's not supposed to do it. And I don't know why, but it just really annoys me because, you know, when I still lived at home, if I wanted to go up in the attic, I'm going to go up in the attic. If I want to go in the garage, I'm going to go in the garage. If I'm going to look at childhood pictures, I'm going to do that. And if there was something I wasn't supposed to see, then number one, either they, you know, my mom wouldn't have it in the house anymore or she would specifically tell me, stay out of there, leave it alone, don't worry about it, maybe keep it locked up in a safe. I don't know. So that just, that was an annoying little nuance there. Uh, and then Jesse having to go through the bedroom window was annoying as shit. Like the mom's home or the mom's gone. So what, what, what are you doing here? This collar and going through the front door. I don't, that, that was just another thing that annoyed me for some reason. Uh, then we get our first bit of Duke Nukem humor here when we get the dead dog. And then he says, I was just petting him. Like God, his voice irritated me so much, but at least there, there was some of that, uh, Freddy Krueger humor and charm, I guess. Um, and I already mentioned, you know, the uh, the callback to Scary Movie 2. I mean, to the original Nightmare on Elm Street there. Seriously, though, if that jersey had said 69 instead of 10, we're talking spot on. Uh, she was getting banged up against the wall like crazy. But, you know, bottom line is, Jesse should have called the cops here. Like, it's not a good look when you're covered in blood from this girl who's just been murdered in a bedroom. What do you think is going to happen? Like, fleeing the scene was the worst thing you could have done, done because now it... 100% looks like you killed her and then did something with the murder weapon. Uh, so, bad move there. But, bottom line is, uh, biggest plot hole in this entire movie is that he could have gotten out of this charge 100% because they did not read him his Miranda. Um, I believe Shut the Fuck Up was the closest that he got to a Miranda. So, if I'm him, I'm asking for an attorney and I'm getting out of jail that same night. So, joke's on the cops. Jesse's cell is open as the guard says his bail was posted. He's escorted out in the hallways, turned into a boiler room. He hears Chris's voice saying, help me, please. Jesse sees little girls behind bars, and he turns around and sees Freddy. He runs away until he finds Chris's dead body hanging there. Oh, God. No, just me, Freddy says, appearing behind him. He asks Freddy what he wants. Can you turn back time? Can you bring the dead back to life? Why are you screaming? I haven't even cut you yet. Jesse stands up, and Freddy is gone now. He looks around, but suddenly we see the razor glove burst out of his chest. His cellmate bangs on the door yelling, he didn't do it. We see Jesse hung upside down as Freddy asks him if he knew the brain keeps functioning seven minutes after the heart stops beating. We still have six more minutes to play. And Jesse screams. Back to the bookstore as we see Nancy and Quentin researching, and he gives her some of his medicine called Zonarol to help keep her awake. She refuses, though. She sees his necklace and says she didn't suspect, suspect him to be the religious type. She asks about this book. It's the Pied Piper, a guy who was betrayed by his town and he kills children for revenge. She tells him she's been having dreams about kids in a school too. He says it's got to mean something and we're running out of time. He tells her about how nightmares are triggered and after the 70 hour mark we get micro naps, which means you dream and don't even know it. Then your brain will put you into a coma. Gwen walks into the home calling for Nancy over and over who doesn't answer. We see her drawing again as her mom goes into her room. She asks her mom if she has a connection to Chris, Dean, Jesse, or Quentin. She says, not that I can recall. Did we ever know a guy named Freddy? She says she doesn't think so. Okay, she says. 
Gwen walks out the room saying goodnight. Gwen grabs the phone, calling someone, and says, Nancy is starting to remember. Nancy, god damn, I hate this scene. Nancy gets into the bathtub and sets an alarm on her phone. <laughs> yes, yes. We yeah, see it's, it's awful. It's so pointless. We see the Freddy glove appear from between her legs in the tub. Gwen tells her she's going to bed. Nancy is out of the bathtub and goes into her room where snow, where snow is falling. She finds a sign that says, Badham School. She walks up to the front door as Freddie appears behind her. Little Nancy, all grown up. You're just a nightmare, she says. You don't remember? You must. You're my number one, my little Nancy. He rubs the razors on her leg. She says she set an alarm, and he says, you smell different. She wakes up to her phone ringing. Quentin tells her Jesse died in his sleep. She says she saw Freddie, and he says he's coming over. Quentin leaves a note for his dad as he pops another pill. Quentin and Nancy read up on Badham Preschool, but there's no pictures. Nancy shows him the drawing she did of it. How's the guy in our dreams connected to this school? The two are digging through drawers, and they find a picture of all of them younger. Gwen appears asking, what are you doing? What's going on? She calls her out about them not knowing each other. Why would you lie to me? Gwen yells she didn't want them to keep this memory with them. What happened at that preschool, she asks. Gwen tells him about Fred Krueger, who worked there. He was a gardener who lived in the basement there. You kids were his life. We didn't want to believe it at first. You kids were all innocent. Nancy, you were his favorite. Then we started to notice things. Young Chris says he takes us to his secret place. Fred left town before we could confront him. These dreams are suppressed memories of a terrible time. Nancy and Quentin leave, and Quentin says there are just me- these are just memories. She says memories don't kill you. Then Alan stops them and has Quentin get in the car with him. All right, Brian, go ahead. That's the next set of scenes they got. Yeah, and like I was kind of touched on a little bit in the last set of scenes, I really like Jesse's Nightmare a lot. I Mostly because it's the it's like a return to the boiler room, finally. You know, a lot of this was used in the trailer, I remember, which was definitely a good choice. Like, it sucks you in because even that line, oh, God, no, just me. Like, it sounds so damn good on that trailer. But it cuts directly. And so like I needed, I felt like I needed like a jump scare or, or like him to do something action right there, but it's kind of left to, it's kind of left to breathe for lack of a better word. And, and it just doesn't have the same impact to me when you're actually watching the real movie. Um, the kill was pretty cool, except did anyone else notice back in the real world when Jesse falls down, there was no entry hole in his back. So again, that the real world implications on these kills, like it's so inconsistent to me. I don't know if that was a goof or what, but if it was, how do you miss that on the production side? Um, okay, so the micronap thing. Like I personally like the addition of this a lot. Like it's real world, so you don't have to buy into it. And it kind of gives the writers the freedom to not really like let you know when you're in the micronap and basically allows the writers to to let Freddie like be in the real world anytime they want to without having to explain a, a nap. Uh, now I just, I think it's overused like throughout the rest of the movie is all like, I like it. I just don't like how they used it so damn much moving forwards. It was just, it was almost like stimulus overload. I think that was what I was trying to say in that last set of scenes. It was almost just too much the rest of the movie, but I don't know. That's just my opinion. Um, and I don't remember if it was dead meat James or someone else that brought this up in a review I watched but I can't unsee it now. Like the Elm Street house. It's like the Myers house and it being so damn iconic now. And they never give it that. Like they don't, 
they they never make it a character like it was in the old ones because we never get the front. I mean, not just because, but we never get like a front on shot of it. It's always from like some weird angle that makes it just a generic house. So fuck you, whoever's idea that was, and also fuck you to whoever told me that because now it ruined you know more of the movie for me because I can see it. <laughs> but uh, I think Connie did a good job of acting too when questioned by Nancy. But also story-wise, like, why would you not question as to why Nancy was even asking you about it? Like, and instead they gave us that cheesy, like, Nancy is starting to remember phone call. Like, I don't know. I hated the, and I hated, just like you, I hated the bathtub remake. Uh, It didn't look good. It felt unnecessary. Um, You know, now, directly after that, I did really enjoy seeing the snowing, like how it was uh, snowing in her room. I think that looked tremendous. Again, the dreams looked fantastic in this movie. Um, and alas, not to repeat myself, but, you know, it, it's it's in this scene, so it's worth repeating. Look, I'm not a fan, again, of how pedo Freddy is. Licking Nancy, it just has, like, I know they did it through a phone in the first one, but that was almost played for laughs. Like, this is just played for fucking gross. Like, and I don't know if I said it already, but I didn't like it. Um the flashback scene again, I hate trying to place doubt in him being guilty or innocent. Like it was much more in the original script, apparently too, of him, of them trying to place that doubt. So they cut even more of it out, but, and, you know, and it's, and like I kind of brought up, it's been a long time to, since I've seen the shit of a movie, but Freddie's dead. Like to me, that was, again, that was the highlight of that movie was all the flashback scenes with England as, as Fred. Like, England has always said he wanted to do a prequel, and I think that would have definitely been more interesting, especially if it's more like in Freddy's Dead, where it's more child murder focused and less pedo, like the route it went here. So, all in all, a decent set of scenes, despite my problems with them. And in this movie, I consider that a win. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> there's just not a whole lot I like about this set of scenes outside of Jesse's Nightmare, which I think looks good. You know, you mentioned there's some nods to the boiler room. Here's something that this remake gets wrong. And it is the almost down to the note recreations of scenes from the original. And I want to be very clear. When a remake does that, it it better be fucking awesome to be able to pull it off. If you're doing a remake of a good movie, which most people consider 1984's Nightmare on Elm Street to be a pretty damn good movie as far as horror goes. And this movie doesn't do that. You know, You let's take another remake for an example. Friday, 2009. Instead of shooting scene for scene, the first well, movie or the second movie or whatever, it takes a really nice collection of scenes from the first three original movies, kind of shoots them in a different way, makes them make sense, puts them all on the front end. Now we're all caught up. That's something this movie could have done. Halloween 07, which is not my... Again, we don't love the movie. But at least some of the remake scenes, they do They do them a little differently. They shoot them different. There's some different... Do- something. Just give me something. Di- you know, Halloween 2, when Lori finds out she's related, it, it, at least we find out. You know, I've said that a lot on this show. Like, there's no... Yes, there's some different stuff within the movie. But these kills and these nightmares are very, very similar and they don't improve upon. Um, you know, what I would have preferred 
is almost Halloween 2018 Halloween kills logic where we're just giving nods, just little Easter eggs to the prior kills. You know, if you get this bathtub kill, which you both mentioned is terrible and it is or not kill, but the bathtub scene, excuse me. You know, that first one is so iconic. I don't even, could you include the glove through the bathtub? Yes. And I probably would have just ended it with there with Nancy waking up. You know what I mean? Like just, just a little tease, just a, okay, we see you original. We got it. And then move on. Everything that follows, just it doesn't work. It's not the same. Um, and so when, when you do it that closely, you keep going back and forth between this one and the original. And of course, you know, nine times out of 10, I'm going to pick the original. Um, it's kind of like Psycho 98 in this way where that movie's already made. You know, whether you like Psycho or you don't like Psycho, that movie already exists. So you don't have to clone copy it. Uh, and the stuff they don't clone copy, I think is probably the better stuff. And I don't know if anybody agrees with me, but the stuff they don't carbon copy, it's pretty good outside of Freddy, which I just think Freddy Krueger is a character that you kind of have to stick within a certain frame and do it that way. But anyway, that's just kind of my soapbox. And that's why I took away most from this set of scenes is it's okay to, to give some nods to your predecessor, but let's try to update and kind of get a little more creative whether it was really all I asked, you know, Clancy Brown was mentioned on this show. Uh, my, my most, you know, n- noticeable thing with Clancy Brown is the fact that he's the guard from Shawshank Redemption that says the words fat barrel monkey spunk, which is one of the best lines in movie fucking history, by the way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, fat barrel. Mon- you, you know, when the really big guy gets bought into the prison and he goes, you don't understand. I'm not supposed to be here. And he calls him a fat barrel monkey spunk. And it's hilarious. It's one of the best lines ever written ever. Uh, that would, that, that would be Clancy Brown. So anyway, uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just, there's just not a whole lot in this set of scenes and I'm, and I'm a fan of, um, and it's unfortunate because I, it kind of, st- you know, you get the nod to the bowler room had, we had just a few more, just like subtle hints at stuff. I think it would have been really good, but, um, man, something in platinum dunes does. And we talked about it last time we did a platinum dunes movie is shaky cam, shaky cam, Shaky cam, even in nightmare movie, like I'm okay with it in, in other places like that's the chainsaw massacre and some of these other films, but you get it in this and Amityville horror, it just kind of sticks out. It doesn't really fit. So I, I don't know. But, uh, one thing I let Brian say it before I could say it. So now I can say it and then no one will claim that I just always use this. The cinematography in this movie pretty good, pretty good. Checks the box. Just saying. Cool aesthetic. Not my favorite nightmare aesthetic, but for a horror movie, I think it's a cool aesthetic. So <laughs> that's all I had. I, it's just, it, it's kind of, here's one word that I can describe the movie. And while I was watching it with my wife, I said, you, 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 you feel like this movie's a mess. Like it's kind of a mess. Yeah. Because, you know, it's like a, you know, you talked about it in the script, Brian, but it's just the whole like narrative plot point thing. It's just kind of a mess where the, First one's just kind of boom, 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 boom. And in this one, we're kind of all over the place and we're researching Freddie. And look, I like the interaction with Nancy and her mom. I think that stuff works. Um, I would have liked to seen a little bit more of that character development in the original. So I think there's some good to be had here. It just that, you know, they fumbled the bag. You know, we kind of talk about the bones of a story all the time. You mentioned a prequel. This would be a really good prequel. Let's find out about Freddy Krueger. I'm fine with that. But you get this interaction with Nancy and her mom. That's good stuff. 
and it's just followed by, man, what do we do? You know, it's Quentin, his dad in the car. And I, I don't think that works well either. So again, just a kind of a mess of scenes, kind of like my diatribe here was a mess. Yeah. So first of all, I want to say um, this was a very good dream scene with Jesse. Like I said, I really, I think they do a good job throughout the movie here, the dream or the nightmares here. Um, you think that he's being set free from jail and then boom, he's in the boiler room. I agree though, Brian, with what you said about how there's inconsistencies though, because he's, he's injured. But when he comes back to the real life, there's no uh, wound in, in his back there. That's what I'm saying. There's inconsistencies on what the rules and implications are from uh, Freddie. And so that's just the problem that I've got with this entire franchise. I'm not going to saddle it on just this movie. It's the entire franchise. Um, anyway, the uh, teacher's son being a drug peddler, that's kind of funny, I guess. Like uh, It's always those, right? It's always the preacher's son, the uh, teacher's son. Those are the ones that you got to work out or look out for because they're in, up to no good, and he's trying to push some drugs on her there. Um, I do like the Micronap edition too, uh, Brian, like you mentioned, because it, it adds a new wrinkle. It's plausible. And, you know, when you're trying to avoid sleep, you're going to get delirious and delusional. So it, it just adds another thing for them to be afraid of. So I like that addition. Um, I did get highly annoying or highly annoyed rather when she's asking her mom, when Nancy's asking her mom about Freddie, did we know someone named Fred? And she's like, no, I don't think so. Like, God, that was so annoying because you got to question that as Nancy, as a daughter, because you clearly tell she's lying there. Um, and it just, the whole thing stinks like shit anyway. Like, the whole situation, you're seeing pictures from your childhood you didn't know exist. Her, your, your mom's kind of shady about your childhood pictures and memories anyway. And then you ask her if you know someone, you're like, no, I don't think so. And the look on her face, just get out of my face with that. Um I do like the callback in the new spin on uh, the glove coming up in the bathtub there. I guess not exactly scene by scene. Like they, they changed it up a little bit, so I can appreciate that uh, while also play, uh, paying homage there with the shot. So that was that was fine. That was done fine. Um, but then here, you know, this, this one is, man, this set of scenes is where we get it laid on us pretty heavy here. I've gone back and forth on the, on the backstory, how I feel about it. Um, you know, I, I, the other left it up for the imagination, I guess, to guess, was he a pedophile? Was he not? It was kind of hinted at, but it wasn't explicitly said. This one straight up says he's, you know, he's not, a, he's, he's a pedophile. Uh, he's a predator. He's Chris Hansen's number one target. So I, I can appreciate the fact that it doesn't leave anything up for the imagination there. It's like, it's not going to let us guess and wonder. It's going to specifically tell us. But at the same time, it's like, God, man, that's such a, a cringeworthy, like that, that's, there's certain things that I don't like as storylines because they're so uncomfortable and unfortunate in real life. So, um, but that is what it is. Overall, just not a great set of scenes. I mean, you got uh, a, a good dream sequence there and you got a, you know, a callback to an iconic shot, but overall just kind of meh. Another Clancy Brown fun fact is this is our second week in a row where we have a member from one of my favorite movies, The Guardian, in it. Seal <laughs> Ward last week and Clancy Brown this week. <laughs> I'm yeah, still whatever. trying to 
I'm still trying to spin how the Guardian could be on the horror show, but no, I don't think it's going to work out. On the horror show. <laughs> that no. ocean is that ocean's evil villain. Is that a mo- is that considered a monster movie? I'm just kidding. Brother, All, right, uh, brother. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, we're at swim practice now. Coach tells Quentin to wake up and focus. The whistle blows and they all jump in the pool. Nancy is searching all the kids' names from the picture. The kids are all dead that she's researched. Back to the pool and Quentin is suddenly pulled under the water. He emerges, but he's in some industrial park pool. He sees a man being chased by several cars and the man runs into this building, locking the doors. Kruger, come out, you bastard, the crowd yells. Kruger says he didn't do anything. The group surround the building as Kruger yells for them to stop. Alan is told by Gwen this isn't the right way. As Alan says, this ends tonight. They throw Molotov cocktails into the building as they hear the man scream from being set ablaze. The man runs out full speed now as Freddy at Quentin, who is resuscitated by his swim coach. Nancy clicks on Marcus Yeon's vlog. Marcus describes his nightmare about the burned man with the striped sweater. She clicks on several different videos of his nightmares. He's dreaming with his eyes open now. He doesn't know what's going on. He asks if anyone else is going through this and asks for help. We now see him nod off and his head slams into the camera. Quentin appears and tells Nancy she knows what happened to Kruger. They storm into Alan's office who asks where they heard that name. He slams the door shut and says they were protecting them from him and what they did to you. Quentin asks, how do you know he was guilty? Alan says, when you have kids, you'll understand. Quentin storms out and Alan tells Nancy, as far as everyone's concerned around here, Fred Krueger never existed. Quentin says, we got him killed. Nancy says, Marcus kept bringing up the preschool. There must be something there to find. She hears her name whispered by Chris's voice down a hallway where Nancy sees her body drug away in a body bag. Don't you want to hang out, Nancy, as we hear the Freddy voice? What are you doing, Quentin asks. She tells him what she saw and he says, you've been up too long. You're having micro naps. The two drive to Hawthorne Health and Pharmacy. Quentin wants to get more pills. Nancy hears a knock at her window. It's Freddie who throws her out of the Jeep. She suddenly wakes up. Quentin asks the pharmacist for a refill, but he says he's out of them. Nancy now uses the car lighter to burn herself on the arm. He explains he's been on the pill since he was 15. It's okay, but the pharmacist refuses. Nancy leaves the car and goes into the store calling calling out for Quentin. Quentin walks away from the counter and we see Nancy and the lights are flickering in the aisle turning into the boiler room as Freddy walks slowly towards her. He grabs her neck, and she falls backwards, ripping a piece of his sweater off. We see her crawling backwards down the aisle, and Freddy yells, Wake up! You're bleeding! Quentin finds her and cleans up her wound as she shows him the piece of sweater. They're at the hospital now, and Gwen shows up asking her who did this. Nancy says, Mom, you know who did this. Quentin steals an epinephrine from the hospital. The doctor walks in the room with Nancy, who says she's going to give her something for the pain as she briefly sees Freddy. She wakes up as a doctor tells her she needs to be sedated, but needs her permission. Gwen signs the parental consent form. They go back into Nancy's room, but she and Quentin are gone already. Quentin shows Nancy the adrenaline he took, and she scolds him, but he says that's the least of his concerns right now. They're driving, and she asks how much further. She asks him to talk to her. She's falling asleep. They make small talk now, and he asks why she never showed up every time he invited her out. She says she didn't fit in. And I kind of like this little bit of dialogue, honestly. He says, if we survive, how about I take you on a real date? She asks, what if I say no? And then he tells her to sleep on it, jokingly. Jump scare as Freddy appears in the road, and Quentin crashes the car off the side of the road. 
I saw him. He was right there. They hear his laugh as they walk away. And the next set of scenes are the ending. Go ahead, Brian. Oh, hey, look, a swimmer swimming. Look, a swimming-related accident in a horror movie. Look in the shoes, Stepfather remake. Swim uh, fan. Uh, goat movie. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Although, come on, like, your adrenaline is pumping. I can't speak to the micronap thing, but my gut feeling is my guy falling asleep during a race always kind of seemed kind of dumb to me. Uh, the flashback kill, though, was good. Um, it was well done. I just don't know how, again, how helpless almost Kruger seemed. Again, I, I, innocent quote quotations. I didn't really like it. Um, but anyway, I did find a little, I did find it a little cartoony as well that she had big red X's over everyone that was dead in the, in the preschool picture. I mean, good Lord, come the fuck on. Like that's cheesy as hell, not to mention supposed to have been like her friends. I put that in quotations because like you sure as hell wouldn't know that by this movie, but come on, she wouldn't have done that in real life. Um, also, shout out to my guy Aaron Yu, who plays Marcus uh, Marcus Yan Yan Marcus Yan uh, on this YouTube video. Like my man Chewy from the Goat Friday the Thirteenth remake. Uh, now, even though he's not credited, this totally counts to me, which I think makes this his third appearance on the show with Disturbia Friday and now this. Um, I think we only have one more of his movies that we might do because I'm sure we're, we're probably going to do James Wan's Demonic at some point, but. But shout out to my man, Aaron, uh, which reminds me, I've seen a few reviewers and I won't call them out on here, but this has been incorrectly regarded as a goof. I think like there's a lot of complaints where Marcus died during his uh, during his video. So how did he post it? I mean, well, not only does scheduling technology exist with the automatic posting option, but in the script, they actually did have him say the words clicking the auto upload button. So just pointing that out too, it was explained but cut for whatever reason, so now people think it was a mess up. I don't know. Put some respect on my guy Aaron's name, though. I know that. Um, although I'm pretty sure YouTube is probably going to pull that video down pretty quickly. Anyway, um, pretty fucking dumb to me how uh, Quentin goes directly to defending Kruger, too. Like, immediately, he didn't do it. You killed an innocent man. But he was in Mr. Crab or like whenever he was in Mr. Crab's office. Like, what? How the fuck do you know? Well, because I mean, you you can't re you can remember it. No, I don't know. It just seemed like a weird hill to die on there. Um, and huge props though for the micronap jump scare with Nancy in the car. Um, you know, and how like reality kind of flickered as she went into that dream state. I kind of felt like uh, Stranger Things, like in the Upside Down a little bit. I liked that a lot. Uh, but what a piece of shit sweater Freddie had, like that she can grab a huge chunk out of it by just falling to the ground. I don't know. Bad sewing. Uh, definitely not Nico's American Eagle quality. Um, oh, and what the fuck kind of adrenaline is that where Quentin is still having micro naps five seconds later after he takes the fucking adrenaline shot, by the way? Like, come on. Last thing, and I'll shut up. Um, so funny that we did the whole April O'Neil thing during the stepfather last week, but... But uh, guess who played the medical resident as Nancy was being tended to in the hospital? Yep, Judith Hogue, who played April O'Neil in the original 1990 Ninja Turtles. Go ahead, Mike. Also, real quick, a positive I wanted to touch on from the last set of scenes was the kind of updated way she found her classmates with the you know the video blog and stuff. Like I thought that was kind of creative. Um, if, if you don't like the choice, I completely understand that, but I thought it kind of worked for what it was. But anyway. Um, okay, so 
you know, I said it in our group text. This is the best set of scenes in the movie to me. Now, I want to, I want to, I want to not preface it because I've already said it, but I want to just say that doesn't mean I love it. I just think it has the most interesting things going on, the, the best moving pieces. I think the stuff at the pool is really good. Like, I think it's a little bit different. It's not, you know, something we've seen in a nightmare movie before, at least to my knowledge. Um, and I think it kind of works, you know, and then you get into the, uh, the idea of micro naps and, and all that stuff. And I think that's, you know, kind of good, something a little different where, you know, yeah, they touch on it in the original where Nancy's drinking a ton of coffee and all that. Got that. That's totally in there. Totally got it. But I do think this idea that he kind of falls asleep in the middle of the race or, or, you know, has a nightmare in the pool. And I think the way that ends up looking is pretty cool. As much as I don't like some of the CG, like I think it kind of works here. Just, you know, sometimes when something hits with you, it does. So, and it also, I'm looking for stray positives here. I really, really am. Um, <laughs> just, I think it, you know, I think it's pretty good. So anyway, I actually really like, and it, I know it touches on it in Freddy's Dead. I just think that movie is such a pile of dog shit that I can't look past the dog shit to see the one good thing about that movie. Um, but I could kind of do that here where I like this mob scene that we get. I think it gives good backstory to Freddy. But this movie around this time starts to do the one thing that I think this movie is the worst for. And it's making Freddy almost appear innocent. Now, they kind of course correct at the end. But even leaving that little shred of doubt to me, why are we watching this movie? Are we not now again? I've said this before. We're like we're supposed to eventually end up pulling for Freddy, but even in some of these other sequels, you, yeah, you like Freddy because he has cool one-liners and stuff, but you still want to see Freddy lose, you know, especially in like the first one or Dream Warriors or even two. Like you kind of want to see Freddy lose, even though he's a cool character. Here you're leaving his guilt up to some doubt, and I just hate that decision. I think it's so unnecessary. So unwarranted, and I hate when any horror movie does it. Give me evil. Evil is evil is evil is evil. Like, I can't say that enough. So I just think that's a much more... I don't mind some shades of gray, you know, like a wrestling villain that's cool, like Stone Cold Steve Austin or something. But, like, this is not that. Like, this to me, just... This can kind of fuck off if you ask me. But I do like the scene. I think it's good. You know, the mob scene burning the house down and all that, or the shack down and all that stuff. I think it's pretty good. So... You know, this stuff, all the stuff at the pharmacy, I could take or leave. I think it goes on entirely too long. Uh, I don't know if it's supposed to like touch on addiction or something, but I just think it's not, there's no place for it in the Nightmare franchise. Um, even though I do think the like in in sleep, out of sleep, in sleep, out of sleep thing is kind of cool um, that we get with Nancy. Like I'm okay with that. Uh, I think that works really well, but uh, that's pretty much all I had on this set of scenes. Like this is the most positive thing stuff I'm going to say, because we're about to get to, to me, a whole lot of negative. <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you, Brian. I mean, how the hell you fall asleep while swimming? I get it. Micronaps might happen, while you're, but I agree, man. You, your adrenaline's going, plus you're in the water, and you're actively flailing your arms and kicking your legs. Like, I just, I'm not really buying that. But I do know, recently, recently in real life, a uh, swimmer on the 
artistic swimming team for Team USA, whatever the hell that is. She fainted in the pool and had to be rescued by one of the coaches. So, I mean, that's the closest I can think of that actually happened in real life. But full-on falling asleep? Come on. Um, why, and, okay. Why the hell was this building so flammable? Like, they chased this man into the, uh, into the, uh, the warehouse there. And he throws a gas jug in and then just instantly up in flames. What the hell was all over the inside? What kind of factory was this? But whatever. Um, maybe it's a nitpick. Okay, so although we know his backstory now, but we don't know why he has power to enter dreams and kill people. Like what kind of witchcraft was Fred Krueger involved in for him to you know, get this supernatural power that after he's murdered, he gets to enter dreams? Because people get murdered every day. That doesn't mean they just get to enter people's dreams and exact their revenge. So that's a little bit, you know, another issue I have with the franchise is, uh, like, what made Fred Krueger so special? Was he uh, chanting spells and doing all this shit to, you know, finagle his way into dreams? No, we don't We don't ever get that. Um, and then, okay, I agree, Brian. It is a little weird how they just full-on start defending him and saying you killed an innocent man you blah 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 but in that scene we did get our first uh hint that yep that's mr krabs because when he was arguing with his dad he said i was protecting you from what he did to you and he sounded like mr krabs it was awesome and then we get you know the the scene here where she's trying to stay awake so he's gone into the pharmacy to try to get more drugs and he's trying to, she's trying to stay awake. Nancy's trying to stay awake in the car. And she's going to burn herself on her forearm. Like, that's, that. I don't know, that was kind of dumb to me. Like, burn yourself on your thigh or somewhere that's not going to be visible. Because I don't know how teenage girls are, man. They're self-conscious about this stuff. You don't want a burn mark on your forearm like that. Dummy. But then, you know, you get him in there trying to get the, uh, trying to get the pharmacist to commit crimes and give him his prescription, even though he doesn't have a prescription. Come on, man, I've been on this stuff since I was, like, 15. All right, dude, you're, like, what, 16 or 17 now? Like, big fucking deal. And you uh, just give me a couple. No, that's not how the law works. But, so then, here we go. We get what I think is one of the coolest-looking dreams uh, in the movie. Because when she's being attacked in the middle of the drugstore there, I love how the camera, the scenes go, they cut in and out from the dream in the boiler room to the drugstore. He slashes at the pipes on the wall and he's knocking stuff off the shelves. Like that was very well done. Fantastic. My favorite shot of the movie, to be honest with you. Um, and then, you know, once Quentin gets around there to her, here's her scream and she's all bloodied up on the floor. Anybody else notice that he picks a bag of a box of bandages up off the shelf and opens them, but doesn't do anything with them. Like he just picks her up and carries her out of the, uh, drugstore there. Like, so what was okay my guy um then we get you know the hospital there holy shit brian i did not even realize that so this i'm watching this movie and i'm thinking she looks familiar she looks familiar she looks familiar and yeah i see her name judith hogue i saw it when i was researching uh you know some trivia for the movie because i know that her and uh connie Britton were in uh, something else together and so i saw her name but I didn't look at her IMDb profile. I didn't realize that that was April O'Neil. Holy shit, that's incredible. Um, so then, you know, funny 
he busts her out of the hospital and breaks her out of there and they're going down the road and then my man just says, all right, right here in the middle of the street is a great place to park and do these drugs that I stole from the hospital. Great idea there, dumbass. Um, fast forward a little bit, they're on their way down to, to where they're going and, you know, Shooter's going to shoot. Quentin earns my respect in this set of scenes here. Their friends are dying, getting picked off left and right. They're on the verge of dying. They haven't slept. They're delusional. And what's he do? He asks her out on a date. My man said, yeah, I might be dying, but I want to get some ass first. So I respect it. Um, then here we go. So right after that, though, we get a jump scare. It's a pretty good jump scare with Freddy in the middle of the road. Um, it's well done. They they wreck. They go off the side of the road. But I, I don't understand is, so was he micro-napping there, and, or he's dozing off at the wheel? Like, why does Freddy appearing? He literally just injected himself with adrenaline. He should be good to go for at least until they get to the school. Like, that, that shit was crazy. But anyway, um, this set of scenes featured my favorite shot in the movie, so I can't be too harsh, but it is what it is. All right, here's the ending. The two make it to the school, and they break inside. Place is a dump now. Quentin jump scared again as he sees Freddy slash at Nancy. She asks if he's okay, and he says he doesn't know what's real anymore. They go into the maintenance basement where Fred lived. Nancy lights a lantern and looks around. He brought us here for a reason. Quentin finds a razor finger. Nancy now sees a board with pictures similar to her drawings. She calls for Quentin, saying there's something back there. He breaks the wall down, Chris Jericho style, and they find a secret room. Nancy says she's been here before. Nancy sees more drawings as Quentin finds a box of pictures. He tells her they're all of you. He doesn't want to show her, but she snatches them from him. She's in disbelief and begins to cry. He says we were wrong. He's not after us because we lied. He's after us because we told the truth. What does he want from us? He's never going to stop. Nancy says she knows what we need to do. Come on. He says I can't let you go to sleep. You won't wake up. You won't let that happen. Wake me up if you see me struggle. He puts his necklace on her saying, you gotta believe in something. They kiss and Nancy lies down to sleep. Quentin walks around the room some more. He sits beside her with a paper shredder blade and they make eye contact again before she rolls over. <laughs> and I wrote, Quentin instantly nods off and is in a boiler room. Oh shit, he says. Freddie grabs his head. Instantly. That man was knocked. instantly out. That dude, that dude was like Brian sitting in his recliner after he gets oh, home. Oh, no work. doubt. After I mowed some grass. Oh, <laughs> shit, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, hating on the dad over here. Yeah, thanks a lot. Go ahead. Hey, I'm the same way, brother. Quint instantly nods off and is in a boiler room. Oh, shit, he says. Freddie grabs his head, slamming it into a pipe. You can't save her, he yells, and tag, you're it. He cuts Quentin's chest. Nancy calls out for Kruger. He leaves Quentin and pursues Nancy. She says, fuck you, and he says, sounds fun. He shows her the other dead bodies hanging. She's now in her house as she sees Freddy walking down the stairs. Nancy hides in a closet, and Freddy appears right beside her with a jump scare. She runs up the stairs now, and her carpet turns into a blood pool. She slowly gets through. How's this for a wet dream, he asks. Nancy falls through the roof into her bed now. Freddy enters her room as she can't move on her bed. He says, this dress is one of my favorites. You remember everything now, don't you? Your memories are what fuel me. Don't turn away. Look at me, he yells. Look what you did to me. Now it's time to play as he throws her into a wall. She stabs him in the eye with some scissors. Naughty girl as he pulls them out. He says you can't hurt me as he throws her back into the bed. 
I want to wake up, she yells. Quentin shakes her to wake her up. I'm your boyfriend now, Freddie says. Quentin grabs the adrenaline and stabs it into her chest, waking her up, and she pulls Freddie into the real world. Quentin grabs the blade, cutting his arm. Freddie slams him into a wall as Nancy jumps on his back, stabbing him with the needle. Quentin stabs him in his leg with a gla- like a piece of glass, and Freddie kicks him to the ground. Why don't you just fucking die? He goes to slice Quentin, but Nancy cuts his hand off. Hurts, doesn't it? It's because you're in my world now, bitch. She takes the blade and cuts his throat. Freddie falls to the floor, bleeding profusely. Nancy now takes the lantern and sets the room on fire. The two exit the school as we see police and firefighters arrive. A cop says no sign of a body anywhere. Nancy takes the ambulance ride with Quentin. Hey, Quentin, nightmare, nightmare is over, she tells him. Back to Nancy's house as she and her mom walk inside. Nancy sees Freddie appear in the mirror behind her mom as he stabs her through the back of her head and through her eyes. She's pulled into the mirror and Nancy screams in terror as the film ends. All right, Brian, that's the ending. What'd you think? Um, yeah, it's fine. I mean, so a few things, just how Nancy says just out of the blue, she's come up with this plan. I don't know. Again, it just doesn't seem organic. Uh, her relationship with Quentin seems forced going to sleep on purpose on the gross school basement bed. Fucking gross. Uh, the CG on Freddie's face looks bad. Uh, I think it's very noticeable here as he's shown close up, um, especially with Nancy. Um, the rest is just, you know, pretty much a whole lot of recycling the original. I mean, even the the terrible CG ceiling blood thing, which I'm sure was an homage to the all-time famous Glenn death scene. Um, the pedo stuff was fucking gross. It was disgusting. Um, you know, pulling the, the scissors out of his eye, I thought was very bad CG. The ending fight scene I liked. It's just... I mean, you know how I am about people cutting other people's limbs off with just one fell swoop. It always makes me, I'm just like, oh God, whatever. Um, but I will end on two good notes, though. The throat slash effect on Freddy I thought was great. And I'll end on a really good note. Something much better than the original is the very ending with Nancy's mom. It was a CG fest, but I really, really liked it. I didn't mind how bad it looked. Okay, I tried to be positive in the last set of scenes, so I feel like I've you know made some good strides here where I could kind of shell over this ending. Um, yeah, man, I don't like it. You know, outside of Jackie Earl Haley's performance, which I do think is good in this set of scenes, I really, really do. I think it's a strong performance, but there's just some creative decisions that I don't like. You know, there's way too much CG here. Um, I think the pedo stuff comes across entirely too much, uh, for my liking. And again, I know we're not supposed to like this Freddy. I get it. I feel like there's a way to do that without including it in such an iconic character that already had a lore without that. You know, some of that stuff is in the subtext, by the way, you know, in the first two, you get that, but it's, it's very subtle. It's not so in your face. There's just too much. Fuck you. Sounds fun. Like, uh, okay. Mm, yeah. Well, I could go without that just personally. Oh, yeah. um, so I don't think it adds anything to the script whatsoever. Like I think, you know, the, you can't save her and then killing Quentin is pretty good. Like it's okay. Like that's a lone bright spot there, but everything else inside this school is just, it looks like a really bad. And I, look, I know I'm going to get a lot of shit for this, but it looks like a really bad comic book movie. Like, you know, there's like, flames all around and like it 
it doesn't look like Freddy's world. Does that make sense? Like I know, um, like it's just not something that I'm used to. Like it, it, it looks too much like hell does in South Park is what I have written down on my notes instead of like, uh, you know, where Freddy kind of lives and hides. So I'm just not a fan of the setup here or the setting uh, is what I would say. Now, you touched on one thing that I have here, and it's my last thing. The very, very end is a significant improvement compared to blow up doll out through the window. Yes. <laughs> uh, this doesn't, doesn't even least, make any sense. Yes. Um, which doesn't work. It never has. It's the one like really bad thing on the on the movie. But uh, in here, yeah, it's a lot of CGI, but it looks pretty decent for CGI. I think the, 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 this is the most emotional that Rooney Mara gets to, you know, with, with her facial expression. So I think the very, very end is okay. It's an improvement, but the, the rest of this ending to me just doesn't land. They didn't stick it. I think it kind of stinks. Um, it's unfortunate. You know, I know I kind of like really came at this movie in the beginning. Part of my frustration is just how much better this could have been. We've seen good remakes before. There's a good, there's a good new nightmare movie in there somewhere, but it's just not this one. All right. It's the ending. Uh, the ending is nothing special. Um, you're telling me that all this shit has been in this school for all these years and no one thought to look through it? You're telling me that the parents couldn't find the cave or whatever the bullshit? But what? They just walk right up and, hey, everything looks like it hasn't been touched in years. Nah, I'm not buying it. Uh, the ending's pretty shit, to me, honestly. Like I said earlier, Freddy's rules just never really made sense to me. Like, how the fuck do the injuries and deaths translate to real life? And then, uh, how can they bring him into real life? It, it just doesn't make sense to me. And then, the worst part about this movie, though, is when Nancy's asleep and he's crawling on top of her. And he's, you know, just talking like an absolute fucking pervert. Like, I hated that. It's so cringeworthy and uncomfortable. Which, I know that's what they were aiming for, but it didn't appeal to me. You can aim for something all you want, and you can hit your mark all you want, but that doesn't mean it hits, and this didn't hit. Um, but then, you know, it is what it is, and then they they kill him, and they decide to burn him again because that worked so well the first time. And surprise, they didn't find a body. Okay. Uh, and then, I agree with what you said, Brian. The, uh, it's, the CGI was much better. Uh, in Nancy's mom's death in this one that wasn't the original because the original used to have like a fucking blow-up doll getting pulled through a door or a little hole on the door. So that was stupid. But um, overall, it's just... I don't... I, one thing... I, I know that they planned for sequels and they were ultimately nixed because of the negative backlash. But I wish they hadn't have set this one up like there was going to be a possibility of a sequel. You could still plan for a sequel and just surprise us and... But, um, you know, I think they should have left it as they set the school on fire and they don't find a body. Okay, that's fine, whatever. But we don't need to see Freddy again because uh, it's it's pretty unspectacular overall as a movie. So I definitely don't want a sequel. So just let's, let's let this one die. All righty. Y'all got any more final thoughts before we jump over to uh, our social media comments and questions? All right, let's start with Facebook first. Uh, Michelle Murs, a big fan of the show, commented, I love the OG. I only saw this once in the theater. That was more than enough with the eye shrug emoji. 
Uh, big <laughs> big fan of the show, Jeremy Ireland. He said, great value, Freddy Krueger looking ass with that terrible still of him. Look, That does look pretty <laughs> awful, honestly. Uh, Kevin Potoff commented, pretty good movie. I like how they almost make you feel like Freddy was murdered by mistake, but it turned out he was a perverse child killer anyway. You know, I, I, I can see that point of view, honestly, from some people. Uh, new legendary blood donor, Mike Azelson, commented, The WB meets Freddy. Thought this remake was terrible. Grew up in the late 80s, early 90s, and begged my parents to take me to see Freddy's Dead in the theater. Saw this remake in the theater also, and it dethroned Freddy's Dead as the worst nightmare movie. That's a hot take to me. <laughs> uh, hey, man, you begged your parents to... Not a hot take. You bet. Yeah, you do have a hot take to me. Yeah. Um, hold on a minute. You begged your parents to take you to see Freddy's Dead? Uh, you were alive and younger whenever you were. I mean, you wanted to see the last one you thought. And hey, you just didn't know it was going to be that bad. Hell, they mailed, what, everybody mailed it in. Hold on. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not blaming him for prior to seeing the movie. However, as his parent, when we got home, you fucking grounded, son. You're grounded. <laughs> yeah. yeah, once we got home, <laughs> you got to do some chores. Pay pay us back for that. <laughs> Damn. But to finish his comment, it just felt like a shot-for-shot shot remake in some areas while adding more Freddy backstory, which wasn't needed, similar to Rob Zombie's Halloween. I can't bring myself to rewatch it, so I commend the team for having the courage to suit, to sit through this turd. <laughs> uh. All right. I respect it. All right, let's jump over to Twitter first. Uh, big fan of the show, Eric. He commented, he he's I you know I added him and asked him what his thoughts were, and he said, "Yep, I like the darker direction and the molester origin. Thought England was missed, but Haley did an admirable job, and he gave it a seven out of ten. Okay, I respect it, man. That's a hot take. Come on. Yeah. All right, Matt Sears commented. I think Jackie Earl Haley is a fantastic actor, but an actor can only do so much." I remember hating Freddy's look, and it just bothered me that it wasn't Robert England. I know one day we won't have him anymore, and they'll probably recast and reboot again, but I wasn't ready for it at this time. I think a lot of people would probably agree with that. Uh, Sean, he commented, big fan of the show, Sean Irwin. Was Jackie Earl Haley the best option, or is there someone else who could have done Freddy better? And we actually have that same comment on Instagram, so we'll answer it in just a second if that's okay. But I don't know, Sean. uh We'll comment on that in just a second, brother. Kevin Scanlon yeah. commented, I saw this movie once back when it first came out and thought it was absolutely terrible. I honestly don't even remember it, but I bet my opinion wouldn't change if I watched it again today. <laughs> and Brian said, don't do it. <laughs> 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 and then we got a Florida Gator fan whose name is Numb Florida Fan. Hey, brother, I feel you. <laughs> uh, as a Florida State fan, oh, I'm definitely numb. numb. Over here. Yeah. yeah, we big numb over here. Big Lincoln Park vibes. But he commented, would have been good had they not fucked up Freddy. Then I asked him, do you think it was the actor himself or his look and dialogue? He said, definitely the look. I don't think he's acting. his acting was bad, but he says he also hasn't seen it in a while. He said, just remember how bad Freddy looked and how it aggravated me the whole movie, LOL. <laughs> I feel like a lot yeah, of people would be a general that. consensus, yeah. yeah. All right, let's jump over to Instagram now. Fairy Chick commented, not a fan of this remake, but then again, I'm not really a fan of the Nightmare franchise, so with the little hands-up emoji. Hey, I, I feel you on that. I think Dustin would probably agree a little bit with that. Chris underscore 2020 commented, remember seeing this way too young in the theater. Kind of loved it then, but now all I really praise it from it was Jackie Earl Haley and the micro-sleep slub pot that seemed to have promise. 
that's fair. All right, here's a different yeah. uh, opinion. Uh, one of our foreign listeners, Mark underscore Hef. I think this movie suffers from toxic fandom. The look isn't OG Freddy, but it is, but it isn't Robert. And maybe they were trying to not be that Freddy. It would have been confusing if he was this version of Freddy, but looked like Robert. You know, Cass was good core, but was good. Ugh, Cass was good core. Was good still a far better movie than some of the shot that's come out of Elm Street. Don't get me started. <laughs> Freddy is awesome, but he was turned into a joke. This movie made his mean, gory, and dark, and I am here for that type of Freddy. Also, I don't mind the storyline of him being wrongly accused of being the child killer. It made the actual truth better, and again, they were trying something new. Hope they would have given it a sequel and maybe would have won more old-school Nightmare fans over, but it didn't. Love the show as always, lads. P.S. Katie Cassidy, call me sometime. The redhead from American Horror Story, call me sometime. Oh, and of course, Freddie definitely wins the Fuck Them Kids Award. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so really quick, hey man, Mark... I understand this point of view. I really do. You know, as someone that's not a fan or not a big fan of say Friday the 13th as a franchise, but really likes the Jason character. And I know, you know, Brian's with me, even though he's more of a fan of the franchise, but I I know I'm in a boat with a lot of non like big time fans of that franchise that love Friday 09 because it, yeah. it's a meaner Jason. It's a scarier Jason. It's, it's done a little more dark, a little more gritty, and not as so like I get it. So I'm yes, I'm a hypocrite in a way, but it's just how I like to take in my Freddy Krueger. This this one didn't land for me, but I completely understand someone that likes the different take on something. Like I, I completely look, I like a meaner, a meaner Michael Myers. You know, that's why I don't hate Rob Zombie's movies that much. <laughs> and I don't I definitely I love James Drew Courtney's brutal portrayal. So like I like a little bit of a different take. I just did this one didn't land with me, but I do appreciate that feedback. It's good to hear someone that actually kind of gives the film. It's, you know, a, a positive nod. I'm glad he, I'm glad he wrote that. Yeah, oh, I yeah for sure. I, I love, you know, hearing differing opinions. I mean, that's what makes conversation good. Yeah, for and sure. Like Mike was about to struggle his ass all getting through Saul too. Cause he didn't know what to say different. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, if you go back, man, I've listened to that episode twice now. You go back and listen to the episodes where we all kind of agree. I mean, what, I mean, what do we do, man? I'm, you know, I'm <laughs> pulling nose hairs out. You know, it's just kind of one of those things where we, we have to disagree on something. Half the time, that's why I picked the bad movie because I know we're going to – somebody will like the bad movie we pick. Now, one day I want to get together on a movie where we all four gang up on that shit. We don't do that very often. <laughs> well – well, if we ever pick in the tall grass, I hope y'all are on my side on that one. I'm not but on your side. You like that? Never. Uh, let's just let's just. No, I didn't say I liked it. I just said finish. I'm not on your side. Let's finish Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Queen is Elizabeth seven seventeen comment. Do you think the film would have been better if they did Freddie's makeup look differently? And then uh, Jennifer Kramer replied to her saying, "When I go back and think about the first time I watched it, the biggest disappointment was how it looked, and it ruined the movie for me as a Freddie movie." I'll still watch it, but I can't fit it into the same category as the original Freddy movies. If I think of it as a standalone movie, it's more enjoyable. And she replied back, that is a good way to look at it. And the only reason I didn't answer that was because the last comment we have is from the Horror Movie Crew podcast, and they asked kind of the same thing. Late to the party here, who would you each cast as Freddy in a new reboot? And that was from Josh from the show, and he says that he would cast Richard Brake. 
Uh, I'll go ahead and go first since I touched on this in our pitch a sequel thing. Uh, yes, first off, Queen is Elizabeth. I think it would be better if Freddie looked better and his makeup was different. And I think all of us would agree on that. But if I were to cast somebody in a Freddie reboot, I've already said that I would pick Dacre Montgomery from Stranger Things. I think he would be a great Freddy Krueger. Yeah, I, th- I don't think you're wrong. No, um, I, I think that's a good pick. Yeah. I'm going to go with Robert England's pick himself, Kevin Bacon. Just And honestly, I don't even... To, to me, like the look of Freddy did bother me uh, the first time I watched it. But like upon like this review... I could have, he could have looked exactly like Robert England and it wouldn't have helped the dialogue to me. That's why I thought in the script writing, what I thought was just so bad in this. That's what makes it unwatchable to me. I don't think Freddie's the problem personally. I agree with everything you guys said. Uh, I don't really have a pick, although I do like Nico's pick a lot. You know, <laughs> you know when you watch season two of Stranger Things, like, man, this guy needs his own movie, <laughs> you know? Uh, so I think you're, yeah, I think you're hundred percent right. But um, yeah, so I, I'm with Kevin Bacon as well. You know, that's been floated around for so long because of what Robert said. Um, who I would, who would I cast in a reboot? Well, here's the thing. Are we talking a reboot with more than one movie or a reboot with one movie? You got to get one movie and you got to nail it. If that's the case, if we're just going one film, I want Robert England. That's who I want. If we're going with a franchise going forward, then give me one of the other two that you guys just said. That's fair enough. Uh, we had so many questions, I forgot. We got fun facts right now. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, <laughs> Brian, you want to go first? You want me to go first? I only have one. I'll go ahead and go. All right, go ahead, um, brother. It's just a, a cool little six degrees of thing. Uh, you know, Ronnie Plakely, uh, Nancy's original mother, she starred in Nashville, the movie, in 1975, which earned her Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actress. Then she starred in A Nightmare on Elm Street in 1984. Coincidentally, Connie Britton starred in A Nightmare on Elm Street, this one, the, the remake, playing Nancy's mother, and then went on to star in the TV version of Nashville 2012, which she was nominated for an Emmy. Also, both Ronnie and Connie play the same self-destructing country superstar in their versions of Nashville. And uh, like I said during my review, I think Brittany Britton was a much better mother in Nightmare on Elm Street. But go ahead. All right, I got a couple fun facts here. So uh, Freddie's sweater was actually knitted by Judy Graham, and she's the same woman who knitted Freddie's sweater in the original Nightmare on Elm Street in 84, so that's pretty cool. Uh, Wes Craven having signed the sequel and franchise rights away when making the original one just to get it financed, had no involvement with the remake and was not even aware it was being made until well into production. In a 2009 interview, he expressed his displeasure with the then unreleased film as the original was very important to him. And also platinum dunes, you really fucked up there. You gotta, you gotta consult the legend, man. This is his baby. And even if it's not a asking for blessing situation, it's a respect thing, man. You just got to tell him, Hey, we're remaking your movie. I'd really appreciate it if you take a look. Be involved if you want to. Um, the Freddy gloves were the most protected props on the set. Previous films had issues with the gloves being stolen. And the most in- notorious instance was uh, there was a glove stolen from one of the films. And it actually appeared in Evil Dead 2 in 1987. So they were hanging in a shed in that movie. It's pretty cool. 
And lastly, Brian, you'll appreciate this one. Um, the same animators who did the CGI work for Harvey Dent and Two-Face in The Dark Knight 2008 were brought in to do the CGI work for Freddy's face in this movie. <laughs> yeah, well, they did a much better job on Dark Knight. All right, I just got a few from IMDb. Uh, Kyle Gallner suffered a cut to his abdomen when the glove Jackie Earl Haley had been wearing failed to bend back down, leaving one of the knives still extended. Haley didn't even realize this until the scene was finished. I know that sucked. Uh, yeah. Producer Brad Fuller has stated, and I think Brian touched on this a little bit. Producer Brad Fuller has stated that while the film was a financial success, the backlash from fans, critics, and, in, and industry professionals alike was so great that the phones at Platinum Dunes didn't ring for two years. They would not make another horror film until, or another film until The Purge 2013. He admits that this film was handled poorly and a step back for the company, and it was decided that this would be their last horror remake. And I don't. You know, if I watched this video on YouTube where it's behind the scenes and they all seem to have such high praise for it, but now once they got the criticism, the energy shifted. So I don't know if they, I, I just want to know what they really believe, you know, behind the scenes. Right, right. When Jackie Earl Haley was asked what put him in the right mindset to play Freddy Krueger, he said, sitting in the makeup chair for three hours. <laughs> After that, you feel like you could kill someone. <laughs> sure, Robert right. Englund can relate. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, to answer our fans' questions of who I would not pick to play Freddy Krueger, Billy Bob Thornton and Steve Buscemi were considered to play Freddy Krueger. <laughs> and, and the last one I have okay. before Mike goes with budget is, Samuel Bayer turned down the offer to direct twice. He previously turned down several other Platinum Dunes films, including the Amityville Horror and Friday the 13th, 2009. Well, he relented. God he turned that one down. Yeah, honestly. He relented after receiving a long email from producer Michael Bay, who said that doing the film would really open up his career opportunities. As of 2021, Bear has not directed another feature film. Yikes. Hey, I don't want to hate on my man over there. I, yeah, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but he just happened to pick the wrong one. He he lost the lottery on that. You know, I want to. I don't think Steve Buscemi would do a bad job. I I I, I got to say. Now, I think he'd almost be a better Pennywise than he would Freddy Krueger, but uh, I'm not even sure Billy Bob would do a bad job. It depends on the script. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, okay, so this movie's budget was a cool $35 million, which is a cool $34 million more than the 1984 film had. So, you know, CG, baby. CG ha has to be the way to go, right? Or you could do it practically and make a better movie. Um, it grossed. In the, in the U.S. and Canada, it grossed just over $63 million worldwide. It had about $117 million worldwide. So, I mean, it was a profitable film, uh, but obviously that I would even con consider that to be a disappointing box office for a movie with Nightmare on Elm Street on the headliner. All righty. Uh, let's jump to our favorite part of the show, favorite kill, least favorite kill in the rating. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go first. I'll get me out of the way. Uh, just because I'm, I'm curious to hear you guys. Favorite kill? One of my big, honestly, one of my biggest positives. I think the kills are pretty good in this movie. Favorite kill? I chose Gwen. Um, even though I do like the beginning one, I wrote. I think there's quite a few good kills, honestly. But the razor fingers through her head and out the eyeballs. I thought that was. I thought it looked great. And I'm self-admitted. I hate anything that has to do with eyeballs. That shit's terrifying. <laughs> uh, worst kill? I chose the same one as Dead Meat. I just went with Freddy being burned alive. Just because, I don't know. Didn't know what else to go with, honestly. 
I did write a little bit, so bear with me, guys. I know I've talked a lot. I do not think this is a good movie. I did enjoy this movie more on this rewatch and note-taking than I have in the past. We on this show try our best to find things we like in these reviews. I like Quentin, Dean, and Chris in this movie. I actually like the... I know. I hope this doesn't come across wrong. I did like the child molester angle because it does make us dislike Freddy more, and it gives the parents the motivation to kill this sick freak. I mean, look, ask Brian. He's a parent. What if? I mean, you would want to kill that guy if if he did that to your kid. I mean, I I totally get that. Really enjoy the the opening. I'd be the one throwing the Molotov cocktail. Oh, absolutely. And then I'd find him in there and stomp him to death. Really enjoy, I, I might be in the minority here, but I really enjoy the opening scene. And uh, the I like the kills. The micro naps plot point is good as well. Even though I'm not a fan of falling asleep at a fucking funeral or in a pool, that makes no sense. And so is the brain being alive after the heartbeat for extended torture. I do like that a lot too. My cons are pretty much what everyone else will say. Rooney should have never been named Nancy. They were trying to show respect. I know I did read this. They were trying to show respect to Wes in the original by replicating scenes. But you talk about a big whiff on that. And finally, Jackie Earl Haley took on some big shoes replacing Robert England, and he did just okay at best to me. I'm not a fan of the dialogue, and I don't like the look. Uh, If they wanted a Dark Freddy, they should have stuck with it all the way through. Anywho, I'm giving this movie the same rating as Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Not great or even good, really, but better than I last thought, and I gave it a 5.75. Okay, so least favorite kill, favorite kill, rating. Um, we'll just get the kills out of the way first. So favorite kill, I, I, I think Dean's throat slash, or maybe Freddy's throat slash, but I can't count that one because I don't think he really died. So I'm going to go Dean's throat slash just because the effects of it look good. Now, I agree with what you said, Brian, when you were doing your scene by scene. It didn't make sense that he was holding a knife, but in the dream it was Freddy. Um, it should have just been a cut, but regardless, the effects on the actual cut itself look really good, so I'm going to go with that one. My least favorite is either going to be the dog, because the dog didn't deserve it, or I'm going to go with the vlogger guy, who you mentioned also was Chewy in uh, Friday 2009, Friday 13th, 2009. So um, that one just didn't make sense to me, because I think Dead Meat's the one that pointed it out. But, okay, his head s- smashes into the camera, which is a shitty death anyway. Dumb. Um... As far as the movie, though, I mean, like I said, I, I rated this one higher than four or five in Freddy's Dead when we were doing the franchise rankings, um, and I think it's pretty in- interchangeable with four and five. I rank it higher, though, because it is more modern, um, and it's darker. It's it, it doesn't try to be... It tries to give us a fresh perspective, I guess, but um, it you know this is my least favorite of the big three franchises, though, the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. And the only redeeming quality in the franchise is Freddie himself, but that's Robert England. So I have a hard time removing myself and trying to view this movie for what it is and not comparing it to Robert England. So maybe that's on me, but at the same time, it's when you remake something and you do so many shots scene by scene identically to the original, you you ask for that. Um, this this movie just didn't have enough Freddie, and when we got him, he sucked. Uh, they made him too dark, and if you're going to make him dark, that's fine. Don't make him have this sick fucking twisted humor that he had. It just didn't work for me. Uh, the voiceover was awful. Like I said, it sounds like Duke Nukem. Um, the dark direction that they took the character just lost the appeal 
that the franchise had in the first place with Freddy Krueger. Um, the movie looks good for the most part, so I'll give you that. It's got good atmosphere, and it's got good score. The lighting's great. Um, I, I do like that. But this movie is a prime example of why people say don't fuck with the original. So I'm going to give it a 4.5. Okay. Mike, you want to go or do you want me to? Okay. Um, so my favorite kill is actually Dean. Uh, I really did like Nancy's mom as well, though. My least favorite kill, Jesse in the jail. I thought it was stupid that, you know, he, he sh- Freddie shoved his hand through his body, but yet he falls down in real life and there's no hole in the back of his, you know, on his back. Um, so if you would have asked me when we started this show that I would like and rate Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 better than this movie, I would have told you that you were fucking crazy. Uh, but here we are. So just another reason why I love doing this show. Um, but but that's the fact. You know, I, I, I completely agree um, that the franchise went off the rails. But, but with Wes Craven's new nightmare and even Freddy versus Jason, like Freddy was back to being scary again. And I think I think this movie was was just a cash grab. Um, the writing was a mess, and and I know our very first episode was the OG, and one day we'll revisit it. But it still holds up. There was no need for this remake, um, especially when you barely do anything new. Um, after the good Platinum Dunes did, like this one was was very disappointing. Um, I actually rated this one a three. Yeah, my. Uh... My favorite kill was Nancy's mom. Like, I think it just kind of looks the best out of all the CG kills that we do get. And it's so much better than its uh, counterpart in the original. I have to give it a nod for, you know, at least being not a dummy through a window on a door. Uh, so I, or even burned to the vet bed in the original, the fake out kill. I'm not a big fan of that either. So uh, yes, I think that's probably my favorite kill. Uh, my least favorite, Jesse in the cell. The you know, it's kind of weird. You go back to the original. Uh, my least favorite is the cell kill in that, and then you get the cell kill in this. I don't think either one of those work whatsoever. Um, look, I think this movie has the bones of a good horror movie. Uh, you could do so much more with a remake to, within this franchise than what they decided to do. Um, too many copycat kills that are too close to the original, but done with CG effects that I don't think land the same. Um, I, again, I talked about Freddie. Uh, I don't think Jackie O'Haley does a bad job at all. I don't think it's his acting. I think it's his dialogue and the look that they give him, uh, his voice even annoys me at times. So I, I'm not going to put all that blame on him. Uh, he did the best that, that, that he could with what he was given. Like I said, given another chance, wouldn't mind him seeing play Freddie again. He just needs maybe a little bit of a different look. Um, I don't like this cast of characters. I don't think any of them are memorable. I don't think any of them are very likable. Uh, and so that m- leads to me getting bored to death because I don't have anybody to really sink my teeth into. So uh, I like some of the backstory stuff, but it's not enough to save this movie. So all in all, I gave this movie a 4.5, which is still uh, 4.5 points higher than I would have given Freddy's Dead. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait. You're going to give it a zero? Okay, I can't wait to do I'm going to give it a negative. I was I was being polite, buddy. That movie oh, wow. stinks, pal. I can't, wait. I can't wait to do it. We got to do yeah, it. Yeah, that movie is terrible. Oh, we're picking it, but I'm going to be mad that I have to watch it. So just so you know, I'm not going to be happy. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm dreading having to do scene by scene for that. But our composite rating uh, is a 4.4375, and IMDb is at a 5.2 with 99,713 ratings. Hmm, okay. So we are. Ah, what do they know? 
Not as far as uh, off as I thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is, I don't know what they're talking about. Anywho, uh, we got any uh, final thoughts before we shout out our blood donors? That's it, fellas. All right. Just want to give a big shout out to all of our blood donors. Like I said earlier, times are super hard right now. And I, I completely acknowledge if you can't donate or I get it a hundred percent, but I do want to thank all of our blood donors so much for your contributions. It helps us out a lot. And I, can't stress that enough Absolutely. our camper level reoccurring blood donors are clayton j nina michelle Merza, andrew ferguson carrie adams the horror movie crew podcast alex seligson eric doolittle and sean Irwin. our camp counselor reoccurring are hunter nelson dennis kennedy edwin hernandez gunn joe swinford jennifer davis from the too close to home podcast karen heather smith and kylie denise all the way from australia shout out we have two new legendary blood donors that we have film reviews to do for are Kevin Scanlon and Michael Azelson. And we got a new final guide donor today named Mr. Christian Cunningham. Thank you all very much for your financial contributions. It really means a lot to us. We really appreciate it. Uh, Absolutely. I actually had a good time reviewing this movie with you guys. Yeah. I knew it would be a good review, a good discussion episode, like Mike says. Uh I think these are my favorite episodes, only where we have where we all disagree and things we could do better to make it better. It's more interesting to listen to. Uh, well, really quick, Nico, it's because we care. You know, yeah. it's really just because we care yeah. about these franchises, uh, and we know that they could be better than 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 what we got in this movie. Absolutely. Uh, next week, we're going to cl- uh, conclude our reboot remake month with. Prom Night, the remake of that. I need to watch the original this week at some point just so I can do my due diligence. <laughs> Mike give me the look. Oh, and stay tuned also yeah. this week. Me and Shan are going to do a reaction to the Black Phone at some point this week. And we'll okay. get that out to you guys. Um, well, I, I'm curious for y'all to see that and let me know what y'all think. Cause as soon I'll just as I can, it. man. As soon as I can. Uh, one thing I want to comment on, the Prom Night remake that we'll be doing next week. Sneaky, sneaky good movie. Sneaky good remake to me. Okay. <laughs> Fair well, enough. I, it's a bigger fan of it than I thought I was. Plus, you know, it's Brittany Snow. So. But anywho, just want to thank all our fans and listeners. Really appreciate it. Before I let y'all go, go over to Spotify. Give us a five-star rating over there as well. Uh, I, I did not know, honestly, Spotify is the biggest platform to listen to podcasts now. Uh Go give us a rating over there. It just helps us reach new fans, new listeners, helps us grow our fan base. I mean, not that we're super concerned about that, but we just love interacting with all our fans, getting to know you. Like, hell, yeah. people like Michelle, Shan, Sean, Matt, you know, the list goes on and on. We've we've all made a bunch of new friends. Kevin Scanlon, you know, we've yeah. made a bunch of new friends from all over the country and the world. Mark Heff, all the way from, you know, across the sea. we got a lot of fans that, we didn't know before this so we really appreciate any ratings we can get to help us grow as well y'all have a good one and prom night is next week now we're playing with power cool graphics <laughs> fuck that movie just want to remind everybody
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.